So take your Bible tonight. Join us, if you would, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And we're just going through the book of 2 Corinthians now. and Verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I wish I'd have saved chapter 8 and 9 until our stewardship meeting, which uh, will take place in January. But we're just going to go right on through it. And, uh, of course, the, the message in the, in the text tonight is about giving. And it's a certain kind of giving. Uh, the Bible speaks of several different kinds of offerings. But tonight, the Bible is specific about the offering that uh, is being taken. Paul is raised in an offering for the saint Jerusalem. And uh, they fall upon hard times. Famine is one reason and uh, uh, that communal lifestyle didn't work is another reason. And Paul killing all the daddies didn't help much. And so uh, it's just a mess at Jerusalem. The Christians are in dire need. And Paul is going about the Mediterranean Sea coast, all the churches. He started those Gentile churches. And he's raising an offering to take back to help those that's in trouble at Jerusalem. So now we want to just take up, if we would, please. And uh, we've already almost finished the chapter, but I think we need to review a little bit just so that we don't forget it. Um, Someone said that uh, review is the art of learning. I think review is the art of forgetting what you learn. You know, that's a cornbread way of saying it. You know, if you you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, Look at some of your hair. You didn't use it. It's gone. Right? Either that or you've been using your brain too much and your brain's stretching, right? I don't know what it is. But let's you and I take a look tonight. Now, there are several different kinds of offerings mentioned in the Bible. Of course, you're familiar with them. Tithe is one of the offerings. Tithe, 10% of the gross, not the net, is holy to God. And you're to bring that on the first day of the week and, 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 and give that. And uh, the tithe is 10% of everything. It's not 10% after you deduct your your cable bill and your dog food and your cat litter. It's uh, 10% of all of it. Did I explain that thorough enough? 10% of all of it. And if you're not giving your 10%, I wouldn't trust you in my chicken house. Because if you steal God's tithe, you'll definitely steal my chickens. And so 10% is the tithe. And then there is an offering that you give because of love. It's called a love offering. Malachi mentions tithes and offerings. You can't give God anything that's his to begin with. The tithe is his. So what you give in an offering determines how much love you have for the Lord. And so there is a faith offering. There is a sacrificial offering. You'll find those over in Genesis chapter 22. But tonight we're talking about a different kind of offering. Could you jot it down please? Grace offering. Over and over again throughout these chapters, the word grace is mentioned. Grace is the unmerited favor does not have to be God, just unmerited favor. We usually say that grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is. 
But what's wrong with us having some unmerited favor? See, we can exhibit grace. Not like God exhibits grace, but we should also exhibit grace even when it's not deserved. That's what Christianity is all about. A grace offering. Now let me show you, if you would please, chapters 8. I want to just go through it and show you something. And If you have your outline, you can, you can fill it out if you want to as you go down through there if you want to. But notice, if you would please, in the first six verses. Your outline does not cover that. It was one uh, earlier. But notice in the first six verses, we have an example I'd like to give you. An example, Paul said. I want to give you, first of all, an example of what I'm talking about. An example of grace given. Here it is. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Do you to wit is an example. I want you to look at the churches at Macedonia and take from them motivation and example of what you could do because they how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded. Now you tell me how poverty can abound. If we're broke, we use that for an excuse not to give anything. Not this crowd. When they got broke, they wanted to abound in their giving. It abounded unto the riches of their what? Say it. Go ahead. I wonder why we hate to say that word. In deep poverty... In deep poverty, their attitude toward giving abounded. Isn't that something? For to their power, and I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. And take upon us the fellowship of the minister of the saints. For this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that is, as he had begun, so he would also finish in you this same grace also. Now take your pen, if you would, if you underline, and underline that word, same grace. Same grace. He said to the churches at Corinth, I want Titus to finish what he started. And I want him to finish this grace. What? The grace of giving in you also. What kind of grace? Well, I don't know. I don't know if you're barking your Bible or not. But I underlined that word same grace and just drew arrows up to that in their deep poverty abounded unto their riches of their liberality. That's grace given. When you don't have it to give, you're still willing to give. And if you don't have it, money to give, you'll give yourself. Amen. Oh, that's the grace he wants 
finished in us. That we'd quit making excuses about being broke. When we've got more than anybody in the world. We confuse necessities with extravagance in America. And we think that if we have to give up one extravagant thing, it's a necessity. Notice, I also put another arrow there by verse number three. For to their power or ability, I bear record, yea, and beyond their ability, they were willing of themselves. Now that's the grace he wants to finish in us. How about verse number five? And this they did not as we hope, but first gave themselves unto the Lord. You like that? That's the grace that he's talking about. When you don't have anything to give financially, materially, won't just give yourselves. And if he could trust God, if he, if you could trust God with yourself, there's no telling what God would give you to give. You see what I mean? Finish this grace also, the grace of giving. I just thought that would be nice to remind you that that's what he wants. He Gives us an example. Then he gives us an encouragement, if you would please, in verse 6. Notice he said, he said this. He said, finishing you the same grace also. I would say probably if God has blessed this church for any reason, it's because of our grace given. Over 27 years... If I added up just the money that we've taken up on Prove Your Love Sunday. Last year it was 150 some thousand cash. The year before that it was 100,000 cash. And on and on back for all these years. If God has blessed this church for anything. It has not been my preaching. It has not been my administration. It has not been me. It is that God has blessed grace given in our church. Given to the effect that at time I took 10 of our officers to my office. And if I had them raise your hand, some of them still here tonight. And in June, I took 10 of my men in the office. And I said, we're going to try to have a $100,000 offering in February. And I wonder how many of you men, these were deacons and trustees, how many of you men will join Ginger and I and give $5,000 that day? All 10 men said I would. All 10 men did. You know why you're sitting in this building tonight? Not because of my preaching. Because God's blessed some folks who have sacrificed over the years to put it here. God blesses folk who give because they love him, not because they have to. God blesses folks who gives grace kind of giving. Amen. I said, amen. You say, what are you doing? You're going to take another one in February. I bet you never thought I would. 
I bet you never thought we was going to do that again, right? I wasn't going to last year. Till about five families said, man, about three weeks before, we're ready for Give It All Sunday. I wasn't even going to do it last year. You was the one that motivated that last year. And you motivated it. And we had $140,000, $50,000. already spent them on blueprints. <laughs> Billy spent every bit of it. If you want to blame somebody, see the guy here with the yoke on him? He'd been playing football. <laughs> He'd been playing for the Cowboys. Now you know why we're losing. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Hey, grace given. What an example. Brother Jim, you've seen it over the years, haven't you? You've seen it and witnessed it and seen how God has blessed folks that uh, have involved themselves in that. And some folks haven't involved themselves in it. But they're the losers if they have not. Notice verse number seven. Uh, Notice an encouragement now. He encourages this kind of giving. Uh, Notice verse seven. He says, therefore, as you abound in everything. He's talking to the church at Corinth now. As you abound in everything. Now, he says you abound in faith. You abound in utterance. You're able to take the word of God and and completely uh, teach people and lead people to Christ. You, you knowledge. You, you you've abounded in knowledge. You, at least you can find all sixty six books without uh, without the index. Uh, you abound in knowledge. Uh, you abound in diligence. Boy, wouldn't it be something if it was a member of a church that was on fire for God and was diligent about soul winning? Thank God we are, Jim. I thank God on Saturday folk going soul winning. Thank God during the week folk go soul winning. Thank God bus workers go out every Saturday. We hit about a thousand doors or more every Saturday just knocking on doors. You abound in diligence. You abound in utterance. You abound in knowledge. And you abound in your love toward us. See that you abound in something else. Whoa, wait a minute. You like something, he said. (laughs) You'd think a church that abounded in all that stuff wasn't lacking anything, would you? Well, preacher, reason I don't give grace giving is because I don't abound in that. See that you do. I don't have the gift of giving. I know, but you got the gift of excuse making. See, is that what it says? Is that what it says? There ain't nothing spiritual about you if you're not got caught up on this thing about grace giving yet. You say, well, I know my Bible. Then why don't you practice it? <clears throat> I know how to win souls. How are you when you're giving? There's no excuse for a child of God not to give with the same manner in which God did. Grace giving is nothing more, nothing less, but doing what God did like God did it. Give like God gave. You say, well, preacher, I don't know about that. Notice verse 8, I speak not by commandment. Paul said, I'm not commanding you to do this. This is not by command. It's by your own choice. It's optional. You want to do it, do it. If you don't, you're the one that's losing. I speak not by commandment. Notice what he says. But by occasion... Of the forwardness of others. Talking about churches at Macedonia. The saints that's already done it. If they can do it, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. 
If these folks have done it, you can do it. If Billy and Mary's done it, you can do it. If Jim has done it, you can do it. That's what he's doing, using the churches of Macedonia as an example to show you, give yourself and give your means. It's all of grace, anyhow. Notice what he said. He said also, and to prove the sincerity of your love. 27 years ago, in my office, I was reading this chapter. I came across that to prove the sincerity of your love. To prove the sincerity of your love. Now, God didn't stand on my desk with a flaming sword with an anchovy on the end of it and say to me, Jane, you need to start having a Prove Your Love Sunday every year. But he did say to me, not audibly, but in my spirit, your church needs to show me something about once a year. Now we show up 52 Sundays and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing our great Redeemer's love. And God said, I, that don't prove anything. You prove how sincere you are about your love for God by your giving. Let me tell you how you can check how much you love God tonight. Look at your checkbook. You say, well, I don't have... No, shut your mouth. You've got clothes on. None of you look like you're starving to death. You've got something. See that you abound in what? This grace. Well, you don't understand. My wife don't give me any money. Then go earn you some, you deadbeat. Pick up cans. Sell bologna sandwiches on the street. Prove the sincerity. Of your love. This was good until that, wasn't it? Huh? You see, you don't tell God how spiritual you are. You show God how spiritual you are with your money. What is it the love of what is the what of all evil? Maybe I hit a root a while ago. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid and we were clearing new ground. You probably don't know what that is, but we used to go into the mountains where all the trees and woods were, and we'd clear that out. We'd chop the trees down, and we'd dynamite the roots, and we'd dig around the roots, and we'd pry them up, and we'd clear all the vegetation and then we'd take a horse, team of horses with a plow and we'd get in there and we'd, we'd plow and we'd, we'd dig up and root up all them roots. And you'd be going along with that old plow boy and you'd hit one of them roots and it would turn you a flip. That plow would hit you, man. And you'd just, you'd just be bouncing over your arm and the horse is going this way. 
And every once in a while I'm preaching, I hit a root every once in a while. And some folk bounce this way and I'll bounce that away. Come on now, let's loosen up. Am I telling you the truth or what? Did I get it out of the word of God or what? Then you say amen or what? Amen. Huh? Yeah, root's still there, look like. Can I help you now? I I just want to help you. Then he gives us some examples. He says the saints over at Macedonia. And then he gives us another example in verse number 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what? Oh. Have we given that much yet? We haven't given that much, have we? That's grace given. That's when you're willing because you love God. And because you love sinners and because you love somebody else, you're willing to give it all. That's grace given. That you who were poor might be what? Amen. Have you ever thought about this? Go home and think about it sometime. I, I think just, just go home sometime and think about how rich he was. And how poor he became. He gave up walking on streets of gold. To walk on the cobblestones. And the dirt of Palestine. Gave up a mansion. For a stall. Hmm? Gave up immortality. To die. He who is life. Learn to die. That he, we who are dying might learn to live. I, I don't care who you are. If you can't get a hold of that, you need to get saved. You probably do. You probably do. You say, well, I'm saved. Well, you need to do it again because the other time you didn't get enough of it. <clears throat> Notice now, if you would, please. Not only an example, he gives us examples. Notice verse number 10, they were expected to do this. And here I give my advice for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He said, now a year ago when I came by, you folks were really on board of this thing. And, and Titus started the, the offering uh, uh, motivation and said, now a year ago you were really on fire to do this. And And uh, that is wonderful. Verse number 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to will, so there must be a performance also out of that which you have. Notice something about the expectation. Verse number 10 and 11. There was an obligation. Notice they obligated themselves in verse number 10. And here I give my advice. For this is expedient who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. I wonder if there's anyone ever promised you'd give God something and you backed out. I mean, you just flat out didn't do it. You need to be very careful on what you promise. 
Because when you promise God something, that is a moral issue. You have promised God you would do something. And God just thinks you might ought to do what you say you ought to do. And then he says, since you promised a year ago that you folks would give an offering, now it's time to do it. So I'm sending Titus by to take care of that. Verse number 11. Notice a moral obligation. Verse 10, they pledge. Verse 11, a performance. Now here's where I disagree with a lot of folks and I've preached probably as many faith promise mission conferences as any man in America. And I have said, if you don't have it now, you write it down on that card and you ask God for it. When he gives it to you, you give it. That's good. It's works. But that's not what that chapter is teaching. Amen. Notice what he says in verse 11. He said in verse 11, now they have performed the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to will. See, an offering ought to be thought about. It's a mind thing. It's not an emotional thing. It's just saying, I'm going to do what God says I'm supposed to do. See that? See that readiness to will. So there may be a performance also out of what? Out of that which ye, what? In your pocket right now. Said now, just reach in your pocket and do what you said you'd do last year. Don't pray God give it to you and then you take half of it and blow it. Just do it in your, what you got right now. I still believe in faith promise. But I can't preach it out of that verse. Somebody else can. That's fine with them. But, you know, it says out of that which you have. No high pressure. No shame. Just do it. You know, one year, I think some of you remember, we was going to take the, give it all Sunday. And we, I don't know what we called it that year. It might have been Heart Sunday or Prove You Love Sunday or God is Able Sunday or Give it because you want to keep it Sunday. Whatever, whatever it is. And we was all ready to take it. Two weeks before we took it. I decided we didn't need it. And I came to the platform and said we're not going to do it. Because we don't need it. You folks remember that? Well I wish you'd remember that. Because you remember all of them I didn't back out on. <laughs> don't we? To God be the glory. But it's not. We have never taken money. Because we needed money. You have stewardship to raise people, not money. You teach stewardship principles to raise Christians, not money. You raise Christians and Christians will give money because they'll fall in love with Jesus. You understand that? I hope you understand that. That's what me and Jim have been doing all these years. Jim has been for the last two or three weeks just working on our stewardship and getting all the letters in place and getting all the lessons in place and all the object lessons in place, everything in place. And you say, well, preacher, are you doing all that to raise money? No, I'm doing it to raise Christians. Doing it to get a bunch of folk to fall in love with Jesus. That's it. 
Notice, if you would please, the expectation. And uh, notice there's a mental observation. Verse 12, grace given is mental and grace given is according to that which you have. Do you have any proof of that? How about 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2, speaking of the same offering. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2. And the Bible says, Now concerning the collection. Does anybody have any doubt that that might be talking about money? The collection for the saints at Jerusalem. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered. You get that? You get that? I said, you get that. God is a God of proportionate giving. Everybody here next Sunday can give correct proportion unto God. If you give out of what you made and they give out of what they made, God does not look at the size of the gift. He looks at what you got left over. And if you give proportionate as to what God has blessed you and they give proportionate as to what God has blessed them and God has deemed that the proportion not be questioned, it's 10%. Now, if Brother John gives 10% off his 10,000 he makes a week and me and Mary and Billy gives off of our $2 a week, John's $200 don't get any more blessing than mine and Billy's $2. God blesses proportionate. And he says, now when you take up the offering for the saints at Jerusalem, do it proportionally as God hath blessed them. Why? That there be no gatherings. He said, I don't have to... Go to the house and tell you folks you promised this last year. Have it at the church when I get there. I thought that was pretty good. So, where do we get that idea that grace given is according to mental and according to means? I like that, don't you? Don't have to question about what I'm going to give next week. It's up to God, not me. He's already figured that proportionate, right? Notice. And then, if you want to sometime, you can turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number uh, 25 and chapter number 35. And there you get the example of when they were building the tabernacle. And over and over, God said, now, if you give it willingly, if you give it willingly, he that gives it willingly. He whose heart I've stirred to give it willingly. If you don't give it willingly to the Lord, you just might as well keep it because it's not going to do you any good or God any good. 
Grace given is given it willingly. You understand that? And when God was building the tabernacle, he said, willingly. Those folks who has colors of blue or purple or gold or silver, whatever they've got, they are to give proportionately, willingly to build the tabernacle. That's what we're doing here. I'd like to close. You say, please do. Notice an explanation. Why? Verse 13, the Bible says that uh, something's about equality. He said he don't want one to be burdened. And another one, verse 13, for I mean that, I uh, mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. In other words, God said, if I've blessed you with an abundance, you're to take some of that and help poor folk with their want. Why would you do that? Look at the rest of the verse. That their abundance also may be a supply for your want. You may not always have what you've got. And if you don't always have what you've got, you better be plugged into the one who controls the one who's got it. (laughs) Because if you have abundance now and we have abundance now, we ought to allow the love and grace of God to open our hearts to give those who need it because it might not be too long until that horse has a different rider and you might have someone. Amen? Isn't that good? Yeah, I thought that was awful good. Amen, buddy. That's good. Verse 15. Boy, this looks like he just stuck that verse in there from nowhere. As is written, that ought to give you away, that somewhere that's written what he's about to say. He that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Now, I wonder what in the world he's talking about. We might ought to look to where he said, as is written. He's referring back to the manna days. And back to the manna days, the Bible said, now you're to gather so much for each individual in the home. And you're to gather it in the morning. And you're to gather enough for the whole household. Now, don't, don't gather too much because you gather too much and you, you get that spirit of hoarding, you may not like what happens when it's left over. If you read it, you need to read that. And if you look over there when there's gathering up manna, the Bible said that some gathered a lot and some gathered little. And the ones that gathered a lot had enough and the ones that gathered a little had enough. What they're trying to tell you is, God is controlled to begin with. No matter how much you gather, God's going to take care of it. And if you gather so much that you don't need and you get a wrong spirit about it, you might be putting your money in bags with holes in it. You might be trying to fill cisterns that will not hold water. And that which you gather in your covetous spirit might start stinking the day after you should have spent it needed. 
How many Baptists you know started chasing money? Now their whole life stinks. And they fell in love with the wrong God. And now their home life stinks. Their kids are renegades. The wife is mad and nobody's happy. And they've been divorced seven times. And they found a girl someplace at the same place. And they just keep getting over and just can't keep from serving. They're just gathering all the manna they can gather. They don't care what God said. They're just going to get their basket full. They're just going to fill their cup. They're going to turn from God and their whole life stinks. You know what happened to the manna that was left over the next day? It grew worms and began to stink. You may keep it but you're not going to be happy with it. I wish I had time, but now the expedition, and I don't have time, but 16 to the rest of the verse says, now we're going to take the offering, we're going to take it back to Jerusalem, but we're going to be very careful who picks it up, who handles it, and who distributes it. Who distributes it. And if you need to be careful about anything in the church, It's money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Don't ever get in a questionable situation about money. If somebody at our church asks you to borrow money, give it to them. Don't loan it. Give it. You say, I don't have it to give. Then keep it. Don't get money between you and anybody. This church was started a little bitty thing. We started, Miss Ginger counted all the money, wrote all the checks. That's when we had 10 people here. Then we got more people and more people. And I looked at the situation and I said, and I asked Brother Terry and some of these other guys, just take a time every Sunday and count the offerings and put a slip in there how much offering is there so that there'll be more than one person counting the money. In the office on Monday, nobody is ever with the money by themselves. There's always two people counting the money. Always. Always. Now those fellows in the back sometimes don't count too well. But they have to count it in a moment's time. And they count the outside of the envelope. Last week, somebody wrote $4,000 on an envelope and it was $40 in the envelope. The men do not open the envelopes and look, they count the envelopes. You say, well, I don't think y'all to have envelopes. I don't think I ever asked you that. And I thought I was here before you were. And the envelopes is an accountability. It is an accountability. It's another record for us to account to you and to God about the offerings. When our offerings were $30 a week and 
20 of that was mine. We didn't worry too much about it. But now that our offerings are 20, 25, 28,000, 30,000 a week, then we need to be accountable for that money and need to be accountable for where it's spent. And if I buy a good dog, you need to go test it out, make sure I didn't waste any money on it. That's why we just had an independent audit to come in and audit all the books for all these many years. And those folks said, who came in to give us an appraisal and audit, said, Preacher, when we get through with this, could we come back and you spend some time with us? Because we help people all the time that are in trouble financially. Would you come back and spend time with us and let us pick your brain about how you've organized and how you do the finances in church. Everything ought to be done decent and in order. Everything should be accountable. And that's the way it is. These last verses, Titus, and I think Luke, and another man with wonderful testimonies to all the churches, came, collected this offering took it back to Jerusalem and made sure the disbursement was according to the will of God and the integrity of what it ought to be. And all of God's people said, that's the way it needs to happen. As long as I'm breathing, that's the way it will happen. Somebody said, I'll fix that. Please don't. I'm enjoying the trip. Brother Pickett, is that the way you want me to do this?